Hey, what's up, guys? We are so excited that you're joining us today. If you're a part of our Grace community, whether in person or online, we would love to connect with you on social media at the Grace AG on all social outlets. But the best way to connect is to join our online community at live.graceassembly.org. Here, you can connect and engage with other Grace members around the world. So, we hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Let's jump right in. Uh, we've been studying the Sermon on the Mount for the last few weeks. We actually started this on Easter Sunday. We gave everybody a journal, and hopefully you brought that with you. If you didn't bring it with you, you can pick, your, pick one of these up on the way out. But we're studying the first a few verses of Matthew chapter 5 that we often call the Beatitudes, and we've covered five so far. There are a total of eight, and so today I want to talk to you about this verse from the Beatitudes where Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, the word blessed could also be translated happy. So Jesus is saying, people who have pure hearts are happy, right? So that's the title of the message today, is that the pure in heart are happy. Now, I think it's fascinating as we dig into these verses from the Sermon on the Mount, here's what I've found, is that the Beatitudes uh, are the way to get into the kingdom of God. But the Beatitudes are also how we're supposed to live once we're in the kingdom of God. Let me put it another way. Each of these are a gate that we enter, but it's also a road that we walk on. Should I say that again? Each of these beatitudes that Jesus gives, it's a gate that we enter into the kingdom of God, but it's also the road that we live on, that we walk on, because Jesus wants us to be happy, right? Now, why are the pure in heart happy? Well, the verse says it right there, because they shall see God. This is good news, right? We're going to be happy if we see God. How many know if you see God, you're happy? Did you know God is happy? I think we live in a culture that has this wrong view of God, that God is mean and sour-faced and he's angry at everybody, just ready to punish you at your first thing that you do wrong. But the Bible says in the book of Psalms that in your presence is fullness of joy, right? So God is happy. So when you see God, you're going to be happy. The other reason you're going to be happy when you see God, because it means you're going to be in heaven. Right? And everyone in heaven is happy. We used to uh, sing out of these books when I was a kid. Uh, they actually had words printed on a page. And they actually had the music printed on them too. They were called hymnals. And in those hymnals, there were lots of songs about heaven. Right? When we all get to heaven... What a day of rejoicing that will be. Some glad morning when this life is over. I'm going to fly away. And one of my favorites was, everybody will be happy, will be happy over there. I thought you'd help me out, that you left me hanging there. Now, 
I think we used to sing a lot of songs about heaven and the joy of heaven. And, and of course, recently we've had some good ones too, right? Surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you, be still. Come on, somebody. I have a, I have a playlist on my Spotify simply called Heaven Songs. And it's just a bunch of songs about heaven. It's got Milan Lefebvre. Three people know who that is, all right? It's got Petra on it. It's got Mercy Me. It's got old songs. It's got new songs. And can I tell you, it brings me joy every time I play that. And by the way, I, uh, as I was preparing for this week's message, I was playing it a lot. So I've had a good week. I've been thinking about heaven a lot. Can I tell you, the one word that describes heaven more than anything else is the word joy. And not just joy, but unspeakable joy. A wonderful joy, amazing joy. I think of the kind of joy, and I don't know why this comes to mind, especially on Mother's Day, but I think of the 1993 World Series. The Toronto Blue Jays in Game 7, it's at home. It's the bottom of the ninth. Joe Carter stands up, and he hits a walk-off two-run home run to win the World Series, and he is just running around the bases like this. It's a grown man acting crazy. And I don't know why, but I remember watching that thinking, heaven's going to be better than that. Now, I know all of you ladies are really excited. I'm using baseball illustrations on Mother's Day. Perhaps we should go to Buffalo Wild Wings for lunch in honor of that, all right, on Mother's Day. <laughs> Listen, according to this verse... The only way you get to heaven, the only way you get to see God is if you have a pure heart. Blessed are the pure in heart because they're the ones who are going to see God. But that's a problem, isn't it? Because the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, the human heart, all the humans said amen. If you're not human, I'm not sure why you're here, but... The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? See, the problem is each one of us, when we're born, the scripture says in Romans 3 that we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And the reason is because we all have wicked hearts. That's the truth. That's the truth of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ because uh, all of us have an impure heart and and as a result of that, we're not going to see God. Are you with me today? So in order for us to see God, a miracle has to take place. And that miracle is found in Ezekiel chapter 36, where God says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove from you that wicked heart, that heart of stone, and I'll give you a new heart, a heart of Flesh. How many know this is good news? And so, uh, how do you get a new heart? How do you get a pure heart? The only way you're going to see God is if you have a heart transplant, a spiritual heart transplant where that wicked heart is exchanged for a pure heart. Now, I love the way Jesus explains this in John chapter 3 in his conversation with Nicodemus. Now, the most famous verse from John chapter 3 is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his... 
should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's usually the first verse that we memorize from the Bible. And that's in John chapter 3. And in John chapter 3, Jesus is having this conversation with a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And I call it the most important conversation Jesus ever had. Because he's explaining to Nicodemus exactly what we're talking about here. And he says, and I love how the the series, The Chosen, illustrates this. I'm going to show you this clip, how they depicted it here in just a moment. And while they're getting that ready, I want to pull out just one verse from that conversation in verse 3, where Jesus says to Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That word see is the same original, in the original Greek language, is the same word as blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the only way you're going to see God is if you have a pure heart, and the only way you're going to have a pure heart is if you are born again. Now, this is a fascinating conversation because of who Nicodemus is. Remember, Nicodemus is a Pharisee. And I know in our day, we look upon the Pharisees as, we look down upon them because of their attitudes. But I want to point out some things that because he was a Pharisee, Pharisees were the most conservative theologians of the day. And they fought for the inerrancy of the Bible. And they followed the word of God as they, as they thought uh, in, the, in the Old Testament. As a Pharisee, he would have fasted regularly. He would have prayed every day. As a Pharisee, he would have tithed his money, giving a tenth uh, to, to the temple. And not only did he read the Bible, but he memorized the Bible. Because of all, all Pharisees would have, had, would have memorized the first five books of the Bible word for word. And I know some of us, that's not impressive because we, we memorized the book of Leviticus last week. Right? That's pretty impressive. And watch this. He believed in God. He believed in God. And from this conversation, he says, hey, I know that you come from God. So you know what else? He believed in Jesus. So Jesus says to a man who went to church, who prayed, who fasted, who tithed, who memorized the Bible, who believed in God and believed in Jesus, he said to that man, you're going to go to hell Unless you're born again. You're not going to see God unless this miracle happens in your heart. Can I tell you that if Nicodemus had to be born again, you and I need to be born again. And I think the question we should be asking ourselves is, what are you basing your eternity on? How do you know you're going to heaven? Well, pastor, I go to church. I do religious stuff. I try to be a good person. You know, I'm turning over a new leaf. You know, I've read the Bible. I try to read the Bible, and I pray sometimes. Yes, I believe in God, and I believe in Jesus. In our culture, we would say, you're in like Flynn. But according to Jesus, none of those things will give you a pure heart. And it's the pure in heart they are going to see God. The only way you get a pure heart, it's called the miracle of salvation. It's called the miracle of being born again. 
where God takes a heart of stone out of you and he gives you a heart of flesh. And this is important because eternity hinges on that decision to be born again. Because if you're born again, you're going to heaven. But if you're not born again, you're not going to spend eternity in heaven. You're not going to see God. You'll spend eternity in hell. And I know it's Mother's Day. And you're like, why are you talking about this on Mother's Day? Because there are far too many people who are going to church who think they're going to heaven, but they're not. There are far too many people in our culture, especially in America, they say, hey, I'm a Christian, you know, because I believe in God and I do all of these things. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And that requires a miracle, the miracle of salvation. This is what Jesus was trying to explain to Nicodemus. This is a heart issue. You need a spiritual heart transplant. And so my question for everybody here today, if you're watching online or in the room, have you ever made this decision? Have you ever surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? And some of you might say, well, Pastor, I'm I'm not sure. I think I did as a child, or I think I made a decision at one time, or, or I don't remember the date. Here's my question. Why not get sure today? Why not do it today? Why not settle in your heart? Lord, I recognize my heart is a wicked heart. I got nothing good to offer you. I am poor in spirit, but I understand that only the pure in heart will see God. So, Lord, would you get that heart of stone out of me and give me a brand new heart today? How many know that can happen today? And in just a few moments, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. Why? It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And you know what? Next Sunday, we're going to be baptizing people in water. And the purpose of water baptism is to publicly confess what has already happened in your heart that you have been born again by submitting your heart and life to Jesus Christ. So why not today on that connection card, uh, Mark, hey, I want to get baptized next Sunday in our church. I want the whole world to know that God's done a miracle in my life by giving me a heart transplant. Somebody give God praise if you believe that that word is true today. Now watch this. So the Beatitudes are how you get in the kingdom. But the Beatitudes are also how you live in the kingdom. So this is the second part of the message. You get eternal happiness by having a pure heart that God gives you through the miracle of being born again. But can I tell you, you get happiness in the here and now by keeping a pure heart. Let me say it again. Having a pure heart is a gift from God that he gives to us when we are saved But keeping a pure heart is our responsibility. Where is that in the Bible? It's a few places. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22, Paul said to Timothy, you keep yourself pure. You can't make yourself pure, right? Because that's impossible. We can't save ourselves. But once God has made us pure... Paul says to Timothy, keep yourself pure. And then Proverbs says, above all else, guard your heart. This is the most, he's saying above all else, this is hugely important. You've got to guard your heart. And that word guard is a military term. 
Now, when you think about uh, the military and their guard posts and checkpoints on their bases, remember, it's surrounded by soldiers who are diligently watching for any attack and, uh, and, and they're in certain places where they can see from fortified positions. They have concrete around them. They have sandbags around them. They have razor wire around them. There are guns and there are soldiers constantly on watch for the enemy. Can I tell you that's how serious I think God wants us to guard our hearts from anything that would contaminate it. He says, guard your heart. A lot of you might remember, I'm going back in the past here a little bit. Anybody remember this guy, Steve Irwin? The crocodile hunter was his name. He was a conservationist uh, from Australia. He was a wildlife expert. He had a popular television show, and, and, and the shows were kind of crazy. He seemed to have no fear of crocodiles or snakes and dangerous animals. He respected them, but, and a lot of us were really shocked to learn how he died in September of 2006 because he died when a stingray stabbed him in the heart. He was, he was deep sea diving. And, you know, we thought, you know, if, 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 if the crocodile hunter dies, it's going to be because a, a poisonous snake bit him because he's holding on to him. You know, or a crocodile would have tore one of his limbs off or something like that. No, but he died amazingly simply because he left his heart unguarded. The Bible says, guard your heart. And what does that mean? That means I have to be careful about what I allow through my eye gate, what I allow through my ear gate, and what I allow into my heart. I have to guard my heart from cynicism, I have to guard my heart from unforgiveness, from bitterness, from gossip, from critical attitudes. I'm preaching better than you're amen. Can I ask you some questions? Is somebody with a critical heart happy? Is somebody with an angry heart happy? Is somebody who's holding on to unforgiveness, is that person happy? If somebody's bitter toward life or toward God or toward the past, is that person happy? No. So the commandment God gives to us is this. He says, I will give you a new heart. And now your job is to guard your heart. Is it possible? No. Don't raise your hand, but I think a lot of us would uh, be, do good to ask ourselves this question. Do I have a pure heart today? Do I have a pure heart right now? And how many know that's a pretty important question because the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. So let me give you just a few practical things that you can do to maintain a pure heart. Because the Bible says we live in a broken world. We live in a wicked world. Uh, we live in a perverse world, and yet, Paul says to Timothy, stay pure. How do we do that? You may want to write these down. Number one, you've got to stay in the fire of God's presence. If we're going to maintain a pure heart in the culture that we live in, we've got to stay in the fire of God's presence. 
Now, what am I talking about? Well, the Bible says God is a consuming fire. So when I'm in the presence of God, how many know his fire is burning in my heart? And how many know fire purifies things? Right? If there's contaminated water, what do you do? You put it on a stove with fire. You boil it to purify it. Right? And so when we practice the presence of God, what happens is his presence like a fire keeps our hearts pure. Are you with me? And, and when Jesus, uh, after Jesus was resurrected in Luke chapter 24, remember, he's walking down the road with two men on the road to Emmaus. Remember this story? And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him and disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us on the road as he opened us to the scriptures? When, when Jesus was with us, our hearts were burning because he is a consuming fire. And how many know that fire in your heart will purify your heart? When you break bread with Jesus, when you open the word of God, when you pray, when you worship, the Bible says our hearts are burning within us because the fire of God's spirit is purifying, purifying our hearts. That's how we maintain a pure heart. And how many know we need to do this on a regular basis? We need to spend time with God literally every day because we live in a wicked world. I can't tell you the number of times I've sat down at my kitchen table or the desk in my office at my house where I regularly read God's word and I pray and I seek the Lord and I'm doing those things and I'll feel that from the Holy Spirit. And he'll remind me of bad attitude that I have or something stupid that I said or something that's not pleasing to God. Now, is, is the Holy Spirit condemning me for those things? No, he's convicting me because the pure in heart will see God. And the Holy Spirit, his first name is Holy, his job is to help us stay in the fire of his presence. And how many know when the Holy Spirit reveals those things, the second thing you got to do to keep your heart pure is you got to repent quickly. When the Holy Spirit starts to reveal things to us, like, hey, that attitude's not good, or, or hey, this is going on in your heart, you spend a whole lot of time thinking negatively about that particular uh, thing, you got to repent quickly. Don't make excuses, right? But God, but God, no, 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 no. Just say, God, I'm sorry. I agree with you. I confess I was wrong. Now, the reason we need to repent quickly, because if we don't practice the presence of God and we don't repent quickly, there's something that happens to our hearts. Look at this from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. Encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin. If we don't deal with sin on a regular basis and deal with sin literally every day, something happens to our hearts, it gets hard toward other people, but toward God. So sin hardens our hearts and makes it impure. And so and when we don't confess and repent of our sins, our hearts get hardened. Uh, one of the people who taught me the most about this was a teenager. Uh, years ago, back in the 1900s, Tracy and I were youth pastors and uh, before our services, we would have an hour of warfare prayer. 
where students would join Tracy and I, and we'd be praying for the services. And so, you know, there were several students that would join with us, and there was one young man by the name of Ben who, uh, as a teenager, just, he was just different. And when he would come into warfare prayer, I heard him pray this many times. He would say, God, I'm sorry for anything I've said to anyone that was not pleasing to you. Lord, I'm sorry for anything I don't even know I did wrong. I just want to have a pure heart. And I remember walking by him a few times when he's praying that way. I'm like, Jesus, I want to be like Ben. Can I tell you that Ben is a pastor in Marion, Indiana right now, and one of the purest hearted people that I know. And one of the things I learned from him is you just got to repent for the stuff you know about and stuff you don't even know about. You got to maintain a pure heart. Here's the last one. You got to forgive deeply. Deeply. The scripture says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Get it out of you. Along with all malice and be kind to one another and tenderhearted and forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Can I tell you that verse is in the Bible because we live in a broken world with broken people. It's not a matter of if you'll get hurt, you will get hurt. It's not a matter of if you'll get offended, you will get offended. It's not a matter of if you'll be betrayed, you're going to be betrayed. Pastor, you need to be more positive. I'm positive these things are going to happen in your life. People are going to disappoint you. People are going to anger you. So in order for us to maintain a pure heart, Hebrews says, see to it, you see to it, this is your responsibility, that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, I, wanna, I think this is a pretty sobering verse because the Bible says a, a few things. First of all, it's your responsibility to make sure nothing contaminates your heart. You see to it. It's your responsibility. You take it to Jesus. You forgive. Don't allow any root of bitterness to grow in your heart. And this is the scariest part of this verse because you don't want to fall short of the grace of God. What, what, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, let me, let me tell you what it doesn't mean. There is a, a doctrine, a teaching in a lot of churches that goes this way. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Hey, once I pray the prayer... I'm in like Flynn, no matter what I do, no matter what I say or how I act, I'm going to make it to heaven. Wouldn't that be nice? We don't believe the Bible teaches that. Because of verses like this, and there are many others, that it's actually possible to fall short of the grace of God. If we don't forgive... God won't forgive us. If we don't forgive, the Bible says a root of bitterness is going to grow in your life. It's going to cause you a lot of trouble. It's going to cause a lot of people in your life some trouble. When do we come to the point of our hearts being so hard and so bitter that we actually fall short of the grace of God? I don't know the answer to that question because I'm not God. But here's what I know. We get into the kingdom by being pure in heart. And we stay in the kingdom by being pure in heart. 
How many of you want to see God? Oh, keep it up, keep it up. I want to make sure. Anybody want to see God? Some of you are like, well, of course I do, Pastor. I want to see God. Then the question is, do you have a pure heart? Do you have a pure heart? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. If you want to be happy, if you want to be happy, the way to be happy is to see God. And the way to see God, blessed are the pure in heart. So if you've never been born again, perhaps you've been banking on the fact that you're going to heaven because you're not a bad person or because you believe in God, or you believe in Jesus. But the reality is, you've never been born again. You've never completely surrendered your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I can't, I can't tell you that there's a better day than today than to be born again. To say, Lord, I recognize and confess I have a heart of stone. Jeremiah says that my heart is wicked, and I want you to take that wicked heart out of me and I want you to put a new heart in me. I need a spiritual heart transplant today. And by faith, I'm going to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Today's your day. Today is your day. The Bible calls this repentance, by the way. When we turn from the way that we've been living and we begin to make a decision that we're going to follow Jesus. It's a decision that you make. We supply the obedience God makes it a miracle of giving us a new heart. So I want to pray with anyone here today. Say, Pastor, you know what? I'm, I'm just not sure if I'm born again. Or, or I may have made that decision as a child, but I, I'm sure not living for Jesus today. Then I want to lead you in this very simple prayer as you hand your heart over to Jesus. Would you pray this way? And anyone who would like to pray out loud to encourage them, pray this way. Would you say, Jesus, forgive my past. Wash my heart in the blood of Jesus. I want to be blameless, innocent, and holy. And that can only happen if you give me a new heart. I want to be born again. Come into my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, everybody keep your head bowed because the second altar call is for all of us, really. Is my heart pure toward God and toward everybody? Is my heart right toward God and toward everybody? Do I have a pure heart? God says, guard your heart. If you have anything in your heart against anyone, including God, then we need to repent of that because we need to maintain a pure heart. I want to lead everyone in a prayer, including myself, in this one. Because how many know this is an ongoing battle we're going to fight pretty much every day? Would you pray this way? Jesus, I forgive every person who hurt me. I release them today. Shine your light in my heart to see if there is any secret sin. Please forgive me and give me a new heart and make me pure. In Jesus' name I pray. 
amen. Now, would you give God praise for the power of God to give us all a new heart? Come on, don't patty cake for Jesus. This is powerful stuff, good stuff. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Isn't that good news? That is the road to happiness, maintaining a pure heart. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. Don't forget to subscribe to the Grace Assembly of God podcast so you're up to date on all sermons. Also, if you want more Grace content, make sure you subscribe to the Deeper Grace podcast, where Pastor Wayne will dive deeper into his most recent message. Have a great week, and God bless.